Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Joe Dorowski, and I co-host the Protagonist Podcast, which you could visit at protagonistpodcast.com or just look up in whatever device you're using to listen to this very podcast. Cool. And today we're talking about minute 44 of Man of Steel. And the minute starts with Perry White refusing to print Lois's story. And then the minute ends with Lois purposely leaking her story to an internet blogger whose name is Glenn Woodburn, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, uh, Perry White at the Daily Planet says he's not, he's refusing to print Lois's story because, uh, it's just too, it's too crazy of an article. He think he, you know, he says like, you may have hallucinated half of it, which I don't know if he's saying that because of the cold weather or like the wound that she had that, yeah. you know, maybe that attribute to her hallucination because you were found wounded and dying on an ice flow and taken straight to a hospital so maybe you had some weird visions in that yeah process. and you start talking about aliens and the robot attacked you and so um yeah yeah so he he, he just says like you may have hallucinated half of it um and then lois says like some sort of expositional phrase where she's like I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning writer, <laughs> and you're. Sp- I wrote that down as bad dialogue exposition. Yeah, yeah. it's just like uh, okay. <laughs> Feel like your guy, your boss would know that about you. Yeah. Um, unless she was a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist before the Daily Planet, but I don't think. And they hired her without knowing. <laughs> she didn't use that to argue for better raise or anything like that. Yeah. Which it, it, it's weird. Um, it says the Pentagon will not. Uh, wait, no, what is he says that he says the Pentagon is denying it. Yeah. And she says that's their job. They're the Pentagon, which the Pentagon does have other jobs besides <laughs> denying <laughs> the truth. His whole purpose is just deny everything. <laughs> and he's like, what about the civilian contractors corroborated my story, which are people like Kal-El, who's under the persona of Joe, who just people that they just hire to work there. Um, which, uh, did you guys uh, just jumping back real quick? Did you cover how Joe got a government job when, like his? Well, his it's, ch- I th- we assume that it's just contract work, and it was from okay. Arctic Cargo. That I think he was just going around. He saw that there was a sh- you know a helicopter loading up some boxes, and he was like, "Hey, uh, I'm a young, able man. You guys need an extra set of hands. My name's Joe. Yeah, all right, let's join up." I mean, because there's already questions about how Clark Kent would have a birth certificate, but he's going under an alias of another name. So how does he have documentation for a government job? <laughs> he's just a drifter. It's not Joe that I question, but it's Lois Lane that I've always questioned. So here they are denying events that happen, but they also allowed her to be there, and they gave her a place to sleep. Yeah. And they filled her in on information about this submarine that was in the ice and like they gave her permissions and, and, and a lot of access yeah a lot yeah of, uh, they gave her too much access it's it's almost they, like go oh i'm sorry <laughs> it was like they brought her to sikowski's desk with you know information on yeah um and they're, like, they're gonna expect her not to write about this and not take pictures and, and just out all these things it kind of makes it seem like 
the U.S. government's presence in Canada and and you know the, the lowest the Daily Planet was like, hey, we want to send a reporter, and the U.S. government was like, nope, don't do that. But then Canada was like, yeah, those U.S. jerks are being real asses, and you know what? Yeah, let's send someone over there to to let their secrets all out. Yeah. So yeah, that Canada. really is a hard. Like, Lois, come here, come here. No, go away, go away, go away. She's lying, she's lying. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it, it, the whole thing contradicts yeah, itself. Yeah, so the U.S. never wanted her there. Canada overruled it and, like, allowed her to go there, which is why she really wanted to go there, because the whole reason that she wanted to go is just the fact that the U.S. denied her mm-hmm. any access. Now she has the ability to go there, and now she's like, well, I'm definitely going to go now because y'all are being dicks to me. She goes there, and then the U.S., like, they comply more than they should have. Like, again, I, I said that what they should have done is they're like, all right, you're here, but we're going to keep you in that tin can the whole time. We're not yeah. going to talk to you. Like We're going to no let you think t- it's a Russian submarine. Yeah. 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 Like, Hardy should have been like, yeah, it's probably a submarine. <laughs> is it still so much sub- information? Yeah. Yeah, that's it, Lois. Sure, whatever. Yeah, sure, it's a submarine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Soviet area? Oh, that makes more sense, Lois. Uh, go go write it up the story, and uh, we'll hit you back up in a couple weeks. And then they just, like, disown her, basically. Um, that's what they should have done. But instead, they gave her full access, and then they deny it. It just... Uh, it's you shot yourself in the foot there. <laughs> yeah, this is not the strongest minute of the film for the plot holes or the uh, I guess the motivation of the government issues that you're raising. Also, the dialogue isn't that great. We already kind of joked about her weird exposition of "I'm a Pulitzer uh, Prize winning journalist." But then there's also, like, her threat that she gives Perry, where she says, you run my story, or I'll walk. And he says, you can't, you're under contract. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, which is the worst threat right here? I, like, did she not realize she was under contract when she just threatened to quit? Like, she was threatening to quit your contract, Perry. <laughs> but once he says, no, you're under contract, she just goes, oh, right. Checkmated, I guess. Unless that means like her. You con- can't afford to live without. Yeah, it. her contract states that you know not compliance with any yeah, other uh, non compete. Yeah, she, she can't go right somewhere else, but she could still quit here, right? Yeah, and and do exactly what she does in the next or in the end of this minute, and go right for Glenn Woodburn. Like but then it's <laughs> almost like why is that more threatening than leaking U.S. information? Like. <laughs> It's like, you can't, you're under contract, you're right, I'll, I'll back down. But then, she has no problem, like, getting, like, imagine if the U.S. was like, don't post that, or, you know, you're going to be, like... I have FBI custody. Yeah, you're going to be <laughs> underground, you're going to be straight-jacketed, you're going to be, men in black are going to neuralize you. Or even just, every tax return you've ever submitted is about to be audited right now, Lois. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, oh they're gonna, way to ruin someone's life. Like they they body bag her real quick, and but that's not threatening. But your contract being uh, under fire that's that's more threatening. I mean, I guess it just goes back to her her sole purpose in life is to be a reporter, and if she can't it's be a to reporter, get the story out. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. I, I think the fact that. Lawrence Fishburne playing Perry White at this moment was supposed to trump everything else that you're <laughs> like, hearing and seeing. You can't say that word. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> he had sketch. enough it's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to overcome everything you, you, you're you're knowing and all this knowledge. 
Like his gravitas of saying you're under contract, everyone would just say, oh, oh, you're right. Yes. Good word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So do you have any information about Perry White? Uh, Yes, I do. Great Caesar's ghost. Don't call him chief. Uh, Perry White's first appearance was on the radio show, The Adventures of Superman. That was in 1940. Um, Sound like you're opening an IGN video. Those those are his catchphrases. Oh, <laughs> all right. That did sound so he pretty didn't good. Use, right? He didn't. I don't think he used those catchphrases in the radio show. They were added later. Yeah, no, there was all his comic book adaptations. Yeah. But I've listened um, to the existing episodes of the radio show, and they're pretty entertaining. It's not the Superman. Like it's a very unique Superman. Like there across seventy five years, there's so many different versions of Superman. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say any of them are invalid. It's a very different Superman in the radio show than what we have in Man of Steel or any other film adaptation, though. Absolutely. Um, who is it? Uh, Ju- Julian Noah, I believe, was the voice of Perry White in in the radio show. Something uh, like that. That's ringing enough of a bell. I'm going to agree with you. Right. Sure. All <laughs> right. Um, he wasn't adapted into comics until Superman number seven in the same year of 1940. Um, but Perry White's character didn't really grow until after um, Infinite Crisis and the uh, the creation of the multiverse, um, which allowed them to expand so much more on the character and other Earth versions of him. Um, I believe uh, Earth 1, you know, Prime Earth, uh, he's Perry White, the same normal guy, but then Earth 2 had him as just a regular reporter for the Daily Star which was their version of the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, you know, the Golden Age era. So it was still 1939 in, in, in that t- kind of sense. Um, but yeah, um, after, after Infinite Crisis, you get to learn a little bit more about him. Um, he's got a wife and a kid. Uh, Alice Spencer, I believe was his wife's name, if I'm not mistaken. And then they had a kid named Jerry White. But then a big old wrench got thrown into this whole engine of Perry White where um, I think it was Lex Luthor that had an affair with Alice uh, and and he's his biological father of that child. That's weird. So it, it kind of just – there's always been a tendency that Perry White and Lex Luthor have had this butting heads uh, mentality. Which where, is why the Daily Planet will publish the Lois Lane articles that try and take down Lex and those things. Exactly, exactly. Um so, like, I mean, Lex at one point uh, bought the Daily Planet and put Perry White out of a job, out of spite. And then, you know, I think Batman figured out a way to buy it for, like, a dollar or something like that. <laughs> or did Perry just say, you can't, I'm under contract, and Lex said, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, hopefully we got that. Um, but, yeah, there, were, there was uh, a lot of tragedies, ups and downs for this character. Um, he did come down with, I, I believe it was lung cancer uh, way later on. And then he, he beat it, so, you know, it kind of made it seem like you can't lose this such influential character in the Superman lore. Um, but my biggest, uh, one of the biggest characteristics of Perry White that I like is that I'm fairly certain, and it seems like it's the general consensus, that he knows the identity of Superman and Clark Kent, one being in the same. Um, I think in one book he, he finds uh, uh, like, a, like a spare suit for Clark Kent in a closet and he kind of connects the dots but it it's not like he wanted to out him as a character he had so much respect for Clark Kent as a reporter and he's had so much respect for Superman being the good guy that he doesn't want to cross that line so he almost like keeps himself blind 
to, to that realization. So, like, he has enough information that he could know, but he chooses not to. Exactly. I mean, next to Lois Lane, Perry White is the most... Uh, is is the best reporter that the DC Universe has seen. He's editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. Jimmy Olsen's a photographer. Get I don't out. know these <laughs> Daily Planet people. Come no, on. but I mean, I mean, Perry White has the title of editor-in-chief for a reason. Um, he worked his way up. He is, like I said, next to Lois, he's, you know, this world's greatest reporter. Oh, and isn't he also the mentor of Cat Grant in Supergirl? Uh, is that in the TV show? I don't watch they, the TV show. Talk, yeah, they talk mm. a lot about, like, Cat Grant owns her own newspaper and that's what Kara Zorel works for and um uh Cat Grant was uh the prodigy of Perry White all right so to speak mm. and he uh maybe that was just a way that, that they don't have Lois in that universe or was it, it was a way that they weren't the Daily Planet right okay sure um but I, like I, I mean amongst all the things that Perry could connect uh would be that man our our newspaper just gets every Superman story I wonder why <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, and he just kind of, like, brushes it off where, I mean, he knows that the two characters are one and the same. It's just his respect for both characters uh, overcomes that, so I've always liked that about the character. But I think they do also have to kind of keep that line of him never, like, explicitly acknowledging it because, as a reporter, he should report that, but he's going to choose not to, so they kind of leave it just ambiguous enough where it's like he's going to suspect all day long, but he's never going to, deliberately, he's never going to find any explicit proof that he would have to report. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to this version of Perry White in this universe where he has all these things in front of him that scream that Clark Kent and Superman are one and the same. He sees them on a face-to-face basis every day, but at the same time, he's still on the same page of Jonathan Kent where if he if he does have a report uh, about them being the same character, like he says, I'm not going to I'm not going to print a paper about uh, aliens walking among us. Um he already knows the impact just like how Jonathan Kent knew of what that would do to the American populace. It would, you know, strike complete fear in everybody, and he's got a company to look afterward. I mean, if, if the Daily Planet was was in charge of outing the characters as one and the same, which they are later on in the comics, but it seems like that would completely crumble the entire company and everything that Perry's worked so hard to do. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had that question about Perry White in this universe, um, and I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, we get to that part later where... Clark Kent does, in fact, start working for the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of me is almost like everyone there knows they have to. But we'll get there. Yeah. Because I don't I mean, to. I just, yeah. Perry's just such a good reporter that he he knows that. It's hard for him not to know it. I've just always liked that he has respect for both characters, uh, that he just doesn't want to do it. But then, like I said, in this version in, in the DCEU, um, He's he's on the same page as Jonathan, where he knows, you know, the negative effects that that would have as saying, oh, yeah, there's been an alien walking among us all along. By the way, he works for my newspaper company. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, let me show as, you his desk. Yeah, exactly. That's just like that's just strikes fear and, and doubt into, you know, everybody. Yeah, it's alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's quick history on Perry White. There you go. Oh, yeah. Um, so he says never going to happen. So not printing it. No if and buts, whatever. Um, so she smirks, cut to a bar, man pouring some scotch, says some scotch for the, the lady. I butchered that line. But, like, here she is going from Perry White, going behind his back. She's going to get that story out there. Mm-hmm. Immediately cuts to her 
talking to some guy, Glenn Woodburn, about leaking her story. She's sending him the the article, um, and I guess the the whole Scotch thing plays into her character. Yeah, I think we said in the previous minute it's supposed to again show that she's you know she's got she's got balls. She's got balls. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know if you want to talk about her more or do you want to talk about Glenn Woodburn real quick? Um, but Glenn Woodburn, Zack Snyder wanted this character to be Jack Ryder of the Batman universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but WB said, no, they said for reasons that David Goyer can't remember, they were not allowed to use the Jack Ryder character. Now, what do you know about Jack Ryder? W- just that he's, uh, wasn't he like a radio host on the Gotham, yeah, wasn't it, wasn't his show just like one of the only ones that was played in in Arkham? I think uh, that the inmates got to hear. They got to just listen to yeah, Jack Ryder. But it, he wasn't really. He's not like you're listening to Brian Williams. But he's. It's like you're listening to more subjective uh, tabloid ish. Yeah. Kind of talking head kind of guy. So. So it kind of fits that this internet blogger is just kind of like not really accredited or acclaimed, and Jack Ryder would have fit the same character almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm 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 curious to why isn't, WB. Well, isn't he the alter ego of the Creeper? Yes. So is WB maybe saying we don't want? Or at that point, we're not sure how big we're going to make this universe. So let's just keep it to Superman characters right now. Yeah, it seems like it's a like a, a classic. Um, what do you call it? Just like a classic trait that they're that WB is sticking with. They're they're not trying to expand the the universe uh, so far just yet. Well, I don't think they knew that this was going to be a DC cinematic universe, so it wouldn't be connected. Yeah, All right. yeah. yeah. So, they... so then, I was going to say, so they're kind of limiting it to more of the Superman family of characters, whereas Jack Ryder and the Creeper is more of a Batman family of character. Yeah, yeah. So it goes back to what we said in previous minutes about um, Nathan Hardy when he, you know, could have been Rick Flag. Yeah, but it it's almost like so I understand them saying no because they weren't sure if the DC universe is going to be extended or not. But why deny such a minuscule character? Like, who cares? Yeah, it's yeah. not like they have a creeper film in the pi- pipeline. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If anything, you're just going to keep him Jack Ryder. Who cares? Like. I don't even see a WB exec knowing who Jack Ryder is. Like, I feel like you could have just had Jack Ryder in as a character and not even said anything, and it just would have been in the film. Like, you, if this was Jack Ryder in the film, some nerd would be like, oh, that's Jack Ryder, and they would be cool about it. I don't know. I don't care. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would spark fan theories, but then those are just that. They're fan theories, so who cares if they touch on the character more or not? I wonder if this is just one of those instances if it was a big corporation and someone high up said only do Superman characters and someone down lower was fact checking and figured this out and told them, well, this is word from on high. You can't use Jack Ryder. But really, it was the word from on high. Is, Let's just keep this to Superman characters for this film. Yeah. It just, yeah. It, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, so I'll just leave it at yeah. that. But it is cool <laughs> to know that they wanted it to be Jack Ryder. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's the only takeaway from it. Um we do see this character, Glenn Woodburn, uh, who's played by Chad uh, Krochuk. Um, he's mostly a production designer for films. Um, but this character does return in Dawn of Justice when they do the, the media yeah. scene. 
So, or no, he not in the media scene, but I think he's. Yeah, he's in the media. He's on a when he's talking when. I thought they were talking when it, when Wallace does the graffiti on the Superman statue. No, that's that's just what um sparked the interview with with uh, Glenn Woodburn. But he is talking when his voice is is the one that you hear when Superman is uh saving that um that exploding uh rocket and bringing it down softly. Mm-hmm. So so it is in the media scene. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. But he's, I mean, I assume that um, through all these events and, and with him being in Metropolis and such, Glenn Woodburn kind of, and with, you know, publishing Lois' story and, and whatnot, he seemed more of a Superman advocate. So it, it would make sense that they brought him to talk about the event of uh, Wallace Keefe graffitiing the statue. Yeah. And she wants him to publish the story. Now, does, does she want him to leak it as a Lois Lane article or does she just want him to publish the article in his name? Well, based on what's said in the next minute, I think it's going to have Lois Lane's name on it. Mm-hmm. And it would just seem that he got like he found the article like like he was able to, to dig it up, basically. He hacked her computer or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, she... Which you'd think the Daily Planet would immediately like throw a lawsuit at him, at which point she might have to say, mm, I handed it to him over drinks at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave him alone. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> again, something that's probably stated in that uh, very popular contract. That yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, she, he, they don't like each other, really. It's, it's, it's said in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess she's had some very negative things to say about his uh, business. Quote so is he just some? Is he supposed to be just some nerd living in his mom's basement that's just talking about aliens all the time on, on his he's blog? Like a, he's like a BuzzFeed journalist. You know, they're not real journalists. <laughs> <laughs> all right, they just it's good. No, they yeah. just come okay. up with something and they go, yeah, that catches people's attention. Of like, course, just throw it out there. Which inanimate Disney object are you? I am the ball with the star on it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, watch this video that uh, three ingredients, all you need is panko crumbs, cream cheese, and eggs. And you can deep fry everything okay. and then, you know, stick a fork in it. And boom, I'm a journalist. Um, so, despite what she said. She no, was, just real quick. Is he referred to as a blogger in this? Yeah, as an internet blogger. Okay. That's at the same time that that seems like you're too late in the game to be throwing bloggers. At, like, just the moment of blogger as your title has passed, it seems. It's, it seems even less than amateur journalists. It seems yeah. like... Yeah, like you're just some guy in your mom's basement talking about aliens. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I blog. It doesn't make me a blogger. Or like, right, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, wait, that does make me a blogger, but it doesn't but, make me a journalist. But it seems like the the term of like defining yourself as a blogger has kind of passed, right? Like we don't use that. You don't see that term used as often. No, not anymore. Like yeah, like it's it's outdated as it's of now. It's just such a cacophonous word. Like who says blogger? <laughs> yeah, it, it has like no. Uh... In the early two thousands, lots of people said it. But <laughs> oh, I blog. Check out my blog. <laughs> yes. What a clown. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wrote. It was like Glenn Woodburn. What a nerd. Um. She doesn't uh, – what did she say? Like she doesn't go back on anything that she's said previously. She's still sticking to 
you know, what she thinks of him, but she wants to and what, what is it that he called? Do you remember the exact words that she called him? Like, didn't she say something like he was a cancer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like his yeah. work is cancerous to to journalism, yeah. which is very like BuzzFeed. So fight me, BuzzFeed. Um, <laughs> but like, it'll give you a job. <laughs> but like... Um, oh, you blog? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> check out my Tumblr blog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so like... Um, she she's still playing this whole hard ass like oh I'm gonna, I'm gonna order scotch I don't care about anything I said about you in the past but you're gonna like put my story out there like and the guy was just kind of like uh, intrigued by it he, <laughs> he has no choice to do it I don't know she's a bully yeah she yeah she <laughs> is being a bully yeah because what if he his work is so low quality or whatever that, that she's insulted it that publicly and he has the quote memorized. It's not like he's going to do her a favor and just release this article because, oh, Lois Lane's deigning to talk to me. It seems like he would have a lack of respect for her. That would go th- both ways, right? Yeah, it seems like Which it. Which probably is why the leaked Lois Lane article seems to be like a revenge move by him. So it oh, makes sense. okay. So like later on in the movie so that like, we see, yeah. All oh, right. like this person wrote a bad article about my work. I'm no, gonna leak. Send the FBI to work. <laughs> I'm gonna leak the FBI article. Yeah, yeah. leak this alien article. But but why is he doing her favor? I guess, or is it just that he's so conspiracy theorist? He loves anything that says the government's doing a cover up. Probably, I think he also has uh, respect for Lois Lane as a reporter because she. I mean, it seems like if if you're if you're that high up uh, in a Daily Planet, you know, a company like Daily Planet, it seems like a, you know, a normal blogger will will take your word for it. So it seems like he's he's like, yeah, I believe you. I believe this happened to you. Yeah. And, and he's and like you said, he's so far into conspiracy theories that he's willing to, to believe anything. And when it comes from someone as credited as Lois Lane, he's like, yep, must be true. Uh, well, jet fuel can't burn steel. Beams. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But like it. This is where he's like, well, I don't like this person, but I know that Lois Lane um, is a serious journalist and that, you know, what what she does right is pretty much gold. And um, it, it's with what she says and the way she says in her persona that he's like, oh, shit, she's serious about this alien story. And so he's he complies because he's like, damn, uh, we don't like each other. You're talking shit to me right to my face. But damn, uh, I'd be a fool not to tell this story because this person is speaking with such confidence about yeah. an alien. Mm-hmm. So it works out for both of them mm-hmm. in a sense. So it just naturally, you know, he's going to do it. Interesting. But she is being an asshole. She's being an asshole <laughs> the last 10 minutes. Yeah. So. Which is, I mean. It's a good, it's a good character trait, but one that um, I never really picked up on when I was reading a Superman book. I never really thought that she was that Lois Lane was this bully asshole character, and I don't she know if kinda... this is just Amy Adams portraying <laughs> if you, it. If you go back to the Golden Age, she is a jerk to Clark Kent all the time. Oh and yeah, she's fawning right. over Superman. So maybe they're like borrowing some of that very dated nineteen late nineteen thirties, early nineteen forties interpretations of Lois Lane. Yeah. And to clarify, I like this character. I like the pesky reporterness. I'm just saying, like, if I had to meet her in a bar, 
I would. You I'd, wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, check, please. Get me out of here. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you. Like, you're a fucking douchebag. You're like, no one wants to fucking hang out with you. But as a character in the movie, you know, she's cool. She's doing her job. She's, you know, no, no, uh, no strings attached kind of feel to her. Um, she doesn't give a shit. And, yeah. and that's ad- admirable. But I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah bottom line so but i do like her as a character i just want i don't want people to think like what do you have wrong with a strong independent woman you're damn right she's a strong independent woman but i'm a, I'm a fragile dude don't <laughs> um yeah don't go to parties with lois lane yeah just, just keep it at that no, she's cool though i dig it um i don't have anything else for this one though uh, uh, that's all i had yeah good yeah i'm good oh cool well thank you for the history lesson on perry white that was some cool stuff um we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this minute if you love what you hear don't forget to rate subscribe do all that jazz listen to joe's podcast protagonist podcast follow us on social media dceu minute and we'll check you guys tomorrow on dc cinematic minute